got me, Denise. Oh, God got me. That's good. Thank you for your patience. Thank you, thank you. All right, we're getting there. Can you see me? Yes. That's good. Sorry, I just got to get this set up. And All right, great. Hello, everyone. I'm just a crying person <laughs> for a second. Uh, God's good, hey? Yeah, God loves us and He's our Father. And um, it's in here, that's where it all really happens. What you say to God in there. and Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I just want to, uh, I'll pray and then I'll uh, get into tonight. <laughs> Father, I just thank you for tonight, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you're our Father in heaven, Lord. No matter where we are, Lord God, you love us, Father, and you're so faithful, Father. You're so faithful to us, God. You're just so faithful, God, and you never leave us, Lord God. You are just so constant, Lord God, and you're so present and you're so real in our world, Lord God. And that when we have burdens and we have troubles, Lord God, Father, we cry out to you, Father. You hear us, Lord. And I just want to thank you for that tonight, Lord God. And I just thank you, Father, for your word tonight, Lord. I pray, Father, that through what I present here, Lord God, Father, that your Holy Spirit would literally touch people's lives and open up people's hearts and bring freedom in people's lives tonight, Father. I pray, Lord Jesus, for your Spirit, Lord God, to rest upon people, Father, and to bring love, to bring healing, Lord God, in hearts, Father. I pray, Lord God, that if the hard hearts in this place, Lord, would be just removed, Father, and filled with love, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, that you have overcome sin, Lord God. You have broken its curse. You have broken its bondage in our life, Lord. And I thank you for that, Jesus. And I pray tonight for freedom, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, tonight, uh, I've titled my message, uh, Unhuggable Me. And I just want to have a look tonight. Uh, we've been, I want to have a look tonight at an issue which really turns a person into a hard rock, an unhuggable hard rock, and that issue is pride. Um, I want to have a look at the power that pride has uh, to wrap a person up in self-absorption and self-righteousness and just how damaging that can be to relationships, how damaging pride can be to our perspective of other people and what that does to our relationships and down again to us and that's where I want to go tonight. Sorry. Jit, I might need you to do it um, manually from the back. Thank you. Uh, yeah, the next one, yeah. So on the Sunday nights we've been doing um, a series here uh, on perspectives and we've been running through, uh, we ran through our perspectives on God, our perspectives on ourself, and uh, at the moment we're on perspectives of other people and how we perceive other people, um, things in our life. Yeah, it was just going in. Yeah, thanks. Um, and our perspective of others and where we're up to. And the last couple of weeks we covered, um, Nev covered judge versus judging, and he talked about the difference between having a critical spirit, the person who criticizes about everything, critical, 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 
reversing uh, the judgment that God says that his children, those people who are filled with the Spirit, are to have, that those who are filled with the Spirit are called to judge and to make judgments about things. Um, And he preached from Matthew 7, uh, verse 1 there. Uh, Last week was Mel, uh, Mel Mims, who did an amazing job and just shared kind of from her heart, her testimony um, about playing the judge and just the burden and the damage that that was in her life and uh, how God helped her to overcome that. Um, But tonight I want to have a look at pride uh, and to see how that damages our perspective of others and, you know, what that does to our life. Um, I want to start here with this thought, um, that pride isn't something that we come to after comparing ourselves to other people. I want to look at how pride tonight is something that begins and distorts our view of other people. That pride is something that starts in the man's heart and therefore breaks the perspective of others and breaks down the point and breaks down how they see those other people. Uh, yeah, so pride isn't something that we don't have and then we look at someone else and compare ourselves to them and then get to pride. But I want to look at the idea that pride is actually something in mankind that's in the heart of man that causes, there's a lens that we look through And we look through and it breaks our image of other people. It breaks down that relationship. That perspective we have of other people gets completely broken by this thing called pride. And pride is an attitude that is complete, that thinks of itself above others. It distorts our perspective of others. It literally sets itself up as the one who is all wise. Pride is something that is in the heart of man and it sets itself up as being the one who is all wise, right? The one who knows what's correct and what's not correct. And I'll explain a little bit more of where I'm going with this. Um, yeah, in every situation, it's their wisdom that is correct. They, are, they have the best knowledge, okay? They have the best wisdom. They're right. Pride causes so many defensive walls and barriers and spiky bits, that it causes you to end up a person that is completely incompatible with anybody. Nothing. You're incompatible with nobody. Nobody is good enough to measure up to or fit into your standards. Um, Pride makes a person incompatible. Incompatible, the dictionary definition is, two things so opposed in character as to being incapable of existing together. Two people unable to live together harmoniously, incapable with one thing or a person not consistent or able to coexist with another. A person wrapped up in pride is as unhuggable as a rock, totally incompatible. And that is not good. (laughs) That sucks to be a big fat rock that is full of pride and unhuggable because it's an issue that is in the heart of man that is so prevalent, is so, so, so prevalent that man loves to set himself up as being the one who is all-wise and all-wise, always correct in every situation is the one who has the correct wisdom, is, is right, has right to make judgments, has standards that they have the right to set and if other people don't meet it, then they're just falling short. And that tonight I want to show how, that, how damaging 
that thing of pride in our lives can be and how it causes us to be a rock and we need to get rid of that rock. Amen? So I just want to have a quick look. Where does pride come from? Genesis 3, 1 verse 6. It says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? So this is in the Garden of Eden. God had told humanity, there's this tree, don't eat from it. That's my basically my one command. The devil came to them full of pride. So you see, when the devil came to Eve, he was already full of pride. He, he was saying to Eve, he was saying that, um, you know, you can, you can be better than God. You can be better than God. Did God really say? Straight away, the devil comes and, and questions God's judgment, questions God's authority. The devil was completely jealous of God for God's power, God's sovereignty, and God's glory. And, uh, yeah, really, the devil came full of pride because he, he wanted to be the wise one. He wanted to pull down Eve onto his side. The woman goes on to say, Of course we may eat from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's the only fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, You must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Again, he brings the lie and he brings a temptation this time to, to mankind. He says that you won't die. You can be like God and you can know both good and evil. So the devil comes at this moment and brings this temptation to mankind. It's really the temptation to, to be, to be able to set yourself up as God, knowing good and evil knowing wisdom, knowing what is right, being the one who is able to judge and, and stand as God and say, this is wrong, this is right. And this is what the devil has come to, to tempt mankind, to tempt him and to say, you can be this, you can be better than God, you can be the one to make your own rule, you can be the one who has all authority and to govern your own world, you can be like God. He came totally jealous and totally full of pride then the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. She was jealous of God. She became jealous of that wisdom that God had and that power that, you know, that wisdom looked so good. And there's something in mankind, that wisdom, that desire to be the one who's always right, to be God, to set up and play God is so prevalent in mankind and in man's heart. And I believe that is the big problem and this is what pride looks like. Pride looks like jealousy of God. Jealous of God. Jealous of uh, wanting to be God and to play God. Man wants to be the wise one, always in the right. It's man who is jealous of God. And so pride looks like this. Man sitting on the throne. Man is always right. Man sets himself up as high and mighty. Man's not willing to learn from others. He already knows it all. He's a know-it-all. He knows everything. Yeah, he's, he's got it all covered. He's, he knows everything. Anything you bring to him and suggest, he already knows better than that and he knows it and he doesn't need anybody else to tell him what to do. And man manipulates his own wisdom 
Man creates his own wisdom and manipulates and controls others to make himself right. And man will always make judgments to better himself. That's what pride looks like. It says, I'm right and the world is wrong. Or it says, I'm wise and the world is dumb. Yeah, you see the picture of how ugly this thing pride is. And this is the thing which gets into the heart of humanity, is in their hearts, and we want to set ourselves up as God. We set ourselves up as being the one who has all wisdom and who is completely right and is in the, you know, has the ability to judge and make criticisms about other people and put standards and all this other stuff on other people. But it makes you a big, fat, huggable rock, unhuggable rock, trust me. James 3, 14, verse 16. It says, If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Bitter envy, and or you could call it jealousy, and selfish ambition... These things are the two roots of pride, I believe. You know, they're two, it's that, it's all about me, selfish ambition. It's all focused around you. Pride is always focused around, I am number one. I am the king. Everything, the whole world revolves around me. Selfish ambition. Every bit of greed, it's all, all based around, how can I better myself? How can I make my circumstance better? How can I protect me? How can I lift myself up and get myself in the best position and promote myself? It's always about selfish ambition. And there's also the thing of envy. It envies other people. It envies what people have got. It wants to be better than, the, than everyone else. It wants to be the best. If you look better, it will kill itself to be better than you. It will strive and it will do everything to get better and to... It's just full of jealousy. Focus is always on self. The focus is always on promoting self and glorifying self. But friends, the fruit of envy and selfish ambition for wisdom is disorder and every evil practice. That's what James says. He says, where you have, and this wisdom, this so-called wisdom, you see, pride, envy, jealousy, it sets itself up and says, this is wisdom. This is wisdom. I'm the one who's wise, right? It's the one who says, all, you know, this is what, like, I'm the one who knows it all. I'm the know-it-all. I'm the wise one. And James says, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. And he says, where you have that, there you find disorder in every evil practice. I like it in the message. Mean-spirited ambition isn't wisdom. Boasting that you are wise isn't wisdom. Twisting the truth to make yourself sound wise isn't wisdom. Sound like a prideful person? Yes. Sound like an unhuggable person? Yes. Is the furthest thing from wisdom. It's animal cunning, devilish conniving. Whenever you're trying to look better than others to get the better of others, whenever you're trying to look better than others or get the better of others, things fall apart and everyone ends up at the throats of others. And, uh, you know, it's like... Yeah, it's just, it's when man just wants to be the best. And that thing of pride, that thing of like, I'm wise, I'm correct, I'm in the right, and I'm going to prove it to the world and show myself that I'm better than everybody else. That is when we see damage in relationships. Our perspective of other people becomes so distorted that we get people 
like dictators. We get people like Saddam Hussein who will just murder thousands and thousands of people because he in his heart has, he's right, he's wise and he's the king. The world revolves around him. We see, you know, people who they just so believe that they're right and no one's going to show them off. You know, they, even what they're doing doesn't even make sense, but they are completely right. You know, they, they're driven by pride and they don't want to be proven wrong. They always, their goal is to be, pr- to be the one who is right, to be the one who in the end is proven right. And, you know, all through the world we see these dictators. There's, I was in Cambodia last year and Pol Pot and I went to the killing fields and it's unreal, There's just skulls everywhere. It's just, you know, the amount of people that were just murdered for, you know, him and his little group of people, this regime that they wanted to implement and the pride that they would have had around them, you know, of just anyone coming against them, they just just blast them away. And they're right. They're right. In their eyes, they're right. They're the ones who are all wise. And their perspective of other people becomes so damaged that their life is not even, you know what I mean? It's not even like thought about that a person who is full of pride will act and make decisions and do things regardless of what the result is going to have on the other person because self is number one and so prideful man deems himself to be fit to judge because he alone is wise wisdom comes from self not from god Wisdom comes from self, not from God. He's unsubmissive to authority because he sees himself as the highest authority. And because of this position, prideful man demands that his standards must be met. And I just want to cover four things, um, which I really think that this thing of pride really plays itself out in, uh, in kind of our every day-to-day life. And I think it would just be good to have a look at these things. It's a pretty bad picture. This is the whole deal. I was like, I'm going to create this like real bad picture of like how bad pride is and just the ugly, ugly, ugly rock that it is because it is, it sucks so badly pride. Setting yourself up above others, you know, just living out of that place where I'm king and everything revolves around me and the little decisions, so many little decisions out of pride we make to get the better of others and to tear others down and to promote ourselves and keep our face, oh, it sucks and you've got to go. So number one thing is uh, perfectionism. And a person that's full of pride operates in perfectionism. Everything must be perfect. Everything everyone else does should be done correctly. His way or it's the wrong way. He's never satisfied with what others do. Not up to standard. His wisdom is higher. He always finds faults and he's And he's cynical, picking everyone and everything to pieces. And all along, while he's doing this, that sin in him makes him feel happy because he ends up being the one who's right. You know, don't you've met these people? I was one of them, by the way. It's totally perfectionist. Everything's got to be done their way. Everything other people don't. He's always looking. That's not quite right. I could do that better. I'll go in there and fix that and do all this sort of stuff. And it's just, man, you becomes a person who is just so perfectionist about everything that, and their look, our view on everybody else is like, man, they're just not as good as me. I'm the best. And when you're around a person like that, they're just not huggable. You're never good enough. You're never good enough. Everything you're going to do is just never good enough. And so you just feel like saying, well, stuff here, do it yourself. 
and that person gets left alone. Independence doesn't need help from anyone. Completely self-sufficient. People would just get in the way. Considers others a hindrance. Not willing to yield to others. So people are just a burden. They're just like hurdles. Like, I'm the king. Get out of the way, everyone. I'm the best. Watch this. Wants everyone to be interested in them. Their thing. They're never willing to join with a group and, and, you know, and to get along some other movement which is happening and, and join a group which is you know, running for this cause. They're like, no, it's, I've, it's this, me, it's my cause. We've got to run this way. And they're always trying to pull people in to follow them. You know, their perspective of other people is just like v- gone. It's void. You know? It's just all about them and they're running their life and they're trying to gather people to follow them. And uh, for someone like this, everything looks good on the outside. You know, they're a perfectionist. They do everything right. They can be the absolute best. They can be amazing. They're just like so good at what they do. They're confident. You know, they're independent. They're confident. But I can guarantee you that on the inside, there's a lot of turmoil going on. And I can guarantee you that that person is living with fear of man. That he's driven by showing off. His identity is found in performance and the praises of people. Pride will stress you out because you have a fate, you have a facade that you have got to uphold, and you that person has got to, you know, always uphold to that standard that they are promoting themselves as. They've put such an expectation, there's such an expectation and pressure on themselves to fulfill that desire of pride that to fulfill the desire of that sin to be the best and to sh- always be perfect and always you know just being the right that it just man that person will be stressed out fear of getting it wrong uh, driven by criticism um, with the measure you use it will be measured to you they they judge themselves you know as harshly as they judge other people they're always striving to save face and keep the facade it's happy to distort the truth, um, lie, even if it means to put others out. So fear of man will, you know, because of pride, they're totally fearful of what other people will think of them if they're not good enough or if they don't own up to being the best or if they don't quite cut, make the cut. They're totally, they're totally afraid of what other, the judgments and the criticisms of other people. And so that person is willing to distort the truth or lie even if it means putting other people out and hurting other people. That pride so breaks down their view and value of other people that, you know, to hurt them or put them out, is, it doesn't matter to them. Self-preservation is number one. False humility hasn't truly confessed their own wretchedness. Plays the part, the facade, uh, imitates what is spoken of but is far from genuine. Acts done out of fear of man rather than fear of God. Dressed to impressed. And um, I like this quote from Charles Spurgeon. He wasn't a false, humble guy, I don't think. I don't know him. He was pretty old. But (laughs) this is a cool quote from him. Humility is a thing which must be genuine. The imitation of it is the closest thing in the world to pride. And, you know, pride, it will just totally have the person on their feet all the time trying to play this game, trying to play this picture, trying to paint this, play this part that I am everything perfect, I am totally humble, you know, like I know I'm not perfect but 
yes I am, you know what I mean, totally false humility. And uh, if anyone confronted them on it, like, well, yeah, not good. So remember that this is a thing in the person that causes their behaviours and actions. And um, the result on the relationship, the breakdown of relationship, is due to the pride in the heart. It's not, we don't get, the person doesn't get to pride. We don't have two people that are unprideful and then they both go to do something and someone does it better and is like, hmm, I'm better. <laughs> it's already there. Do you understand? Sin is already there. It goes right back to the garden. It's right woven in with humanity that this thing of sin, this desire to play God, this desire to set themselves up as the one who's all wise and able to make judgments on everything is right there in mankind and um, makes you a big fat unhuggable rock. Out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks and that sin in man's heart can be so deceitfully wicked. Um, Yeah, pride just has such an ability uh, to you know, just to become a rock in your life that you totally disregard and value other people around you and you'll say things and you'll act you think you're totally in the right because you're just trying to save self and you're just trying to cover up yourself and make yourself right and other people just get totally ripped off and hurt by it um so when we come to a person who has this prideful perspective or this prideful attitude what do we come to friends we come to someone who is unapproachable and unhuggable That person has built up so many walls and expectations around them that it is impossible to come near them. Impossible to do genuine relationship because enough is never good enough. That person is bound by a perfectionist spirit that you will never be able to match up to. That person walks in complete independence and has no plan to yield to others. They are only looking to side with you with themselves so they can have complete control. They always desire the praises of people to keep their ego and their identity afloat. And that person will always be looking to credit some sort of righteousness to their own good deeds. But this is my question. When we come to a person like that, or if we are a person like that, who really loses out? Who loses out in the relationship? Because some might say that the person over on the right loses out, but... Personally, I just think that, you know, both of them lose out. Because this guy over here, the prideful guy, he ends up alone. Uh, He ends up isolated. He ends up with no friends. He ends up frustrated and always irritated by people. He ends up stressed. He ends up with fear of man and criticism all over his life. And he's always striving. That man that has pride in his life, that pride will literally drive him away from other people. You know, it'll drive him away because that independent spirit, that perfectionist spirit that he's operating in all the time and he's always got this standard for other people to meet and this, he's always got to be the best. He's always got to prove himself that he's right and he's the best and he's this. Friends, people are just not perfect. People are not perfect and that person is forever. You know, people are just going to be like, I can't keep up with this guy. Is just too much, and it ends up that guy in his own self too, because he doesn't he sees everyone else not good enough for him, and so he ends up 
in his own little shell, in his own world where he's just, you know, self-absorbed, self-satisfying. It's all about him and that's a lonely place to be. Uh, the other person loses out because they get hurt. They get feelings of insignificance. They get feelings of unworthiness. They get rejected. Uh, un- they feel unwanted and they ne- feel like they're never good enough. Uh, they feel shame um, because they get, you know, they just feel never good enough and they just feel like they're not worth it with this person because of this. And they feel no respect and they're completely dishonored. And um, that's really, really bad. <laughs> that's really, really bad. And that's what I wanted to just paint the picture of tonight, is how bad and how ugly this thing of pride really is to totally break relationships. And we're doing this series on perspectives, and we wanted to look at you know the perspectives that we have on other people. And I, I really just felt like I wanted to go to this when we're talking about pride on the uh, the the damage that pride you know it starts in us it's not something we get to the damage pride has on our on our view of other people to break down those relationships with other people and um i have a bit of a testimony about how i experienced this kind of firsthand for myself how my own pride my own wisdom, my own, like I thought I was Mr. Right, just brought so much hurt and so much pain. And uh, it happened on the trip, actually, which I was in Cambodia last year. I went to, I was with, um, I was a leader in Youth with a Mission with the YWAM team uh, for two years. I was on staff there. And this was on my second school. Um, and we were on outreach in Cambodia. I was leading that school by myself. Uh, there were seven, seven students and myself. Um, how the school works is the students usually come from abroad um, and they'll come to Byron Bay, they'll spend three months here and they'll go through a kind of a lecture phase where they learn about hearing God's voice and all these different topics and, and then the last three months is where they'll go on an outreach and they'll go overseas and they'll do like a practical uh, where they do missions and that sort of stuff. Um, but the whole goal and the whole purpose of the school is called the Discipleship Training School. The whole goal and purpose of it is to see lives transformed, basically. To see, you know, a lot of them come, they got questions. I went to Hawaii and I did by myself, but the real goal of the school is for people to come, get really transformed, you know, break free from a lot of the places where they're at, um, you know, some of the things they're struggling with, and to, you know, come in this great revelation to know God and to be on passionate and on fire for God and to go home and to want to do missions and to be excited about life and excited about God. That's kind of like the goal behind it. And all 18 students, Mel, are going to go home just passionate and excited, aren't they? Sorry? Or they're going to stay here. Amen. Okay, so that's... I was staffing on this school and there was a particular student uh, with me in Cambodia and this is right near the end of the whole six-month thing. And this student, in my eyes... Um, hadn't changed one bit from the day she first got there. And, like, she just totally, like, in my eyes, I just felt like, man, what is she doing? She's just so caught up in the world. She's so caught up in all this worldly stuff. She's just, like, she never participates in anything. She never wants to do anything. When it comes to God, she's totally switched off. And she's like, you know, I don't see any, I didn't see any fruit 
of the Christian walk or the Christian life or relationship with God in her life. And I felt like as a leader, I felt like I, it was my responsibility to change her that when she would go home that she would be a changed person, that she would be on fire, passionate and alive for God. And so what happened in Cambodia was that um, it was kind of near the end of the outreach and I just thought, I really need to do something. I really need to do something for this girl. I need to, you know, I felt like it was my uh, duty to do this. And I was like, oh, hey, do you want to um, catch up? And so we went out and we got a coffee and we are just chatting and stuff. And I just nailed her, completely nailed her with all my ex- expectations, all my judgments, all my standards that I thought a person should meet up to and what it should look like. I just totally nailed her. I said, why aren't you doing this? All I see is you're doing this. Why aren't you doing this? All I see is you're doing this. And I just called out all her wrongs, just completely, like we sat there. I thought I was doing it in love. You know, I, th- I thought I was doing it nicely. But right there, I just called out all her wrongs and I said, you know, this is all I see. And, you know, why aren't you doing this? The other people are doing this. Why aren't you doing this? And I thought I was doing it, that I would be doing it to encourage her and to aspire her to kind of move and break through, right? And to, like... Anyway, the next day she didn't talk to me. I thought, well, that's cool. That's all right. She's probably just processing and, like, she's just, like, realized that she's wrong and she needs to, like, do what Paul said. And... Anyway, so she didn't talk to me all that day, and I thought, that's cool, just give her some time. And then uh, the next day, she didn't talk to me either, and I thought, well, that's cool. She's just really, really processing. And um, that night, we went out and we did uh, outreach uh, in Cambodia. We did evangelism at night, and we're walking home at night time. And she just walked up to me, and she just handed me her phone. And she had written this huge letter on it. And she just wrote, I can't believe what you said to me. You hurt me so much. Who are you to blah, 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 to call out all my wrongs? You have no idea about who I am. You have no idea. You haven't taken the time to get to know me. You don't know anything about my past. You don't know anything about my situation. You don't know anything about my struggles and my burdens. And who are you to think you're all high and mighty to come and talk down and like expect all this stuff of me? And man, it was just the hugest knife into my heart just went boom because she was 100% right. She was 100% right. But who was I? I took no time whatsoever to get to know her, to build relationship with her, to just, you know, to like do life with her. Nothing at all. I stood back in my pride and I was living in my pride. I was maintaining my world. I was making sure... You know, I was just full of pride, like totally perfectionist, totally independent. I wasn't like a team player. I was totally independent. False humility, all the things, fear of man, totally driven by fear of man. And and this moment, I just came and like just let it all out on her. And man, it hurt her so, so much. But then the reality of it and what I'd done and the thing of my pride, just came back on me and it just and it just drew a knife through me um yeah and i really learned the truth about that scripture which says um for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted and that was a very 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 humbling moment um i we're on good terms now me and this girl it was uh 
<laughs> it's all good. When Look, when you get caught out on your stuff, you just got to go, what I did is I just went, wow, that sucks. That's true. I am that person. And um, I just went to God and said, God, she's right, I'm wrong. <laughs> Humbled myself. Humbled myself before God and just admitted it. And I went back to her. I wrote her back one. I couldn't talk to her, no way. <laughs> so I wrote back and I just said, you're right and I'm wrong. If you never want to talk to me again, then you have total right to do that. I don't, you know. I totally apologize um, and stuff. So for another day after that, she didn't talk to me. So she was processing again. And then, but um, the next day she came um, and she just said to me, Paul, I completely forgive you and I don't hold it against you. And then she wrote a thing on my Facebook page and she said, Paul, I'm just sitting here with all the girls in that room and we just think you're the most amazing person. You're the most incredible leader. You're just like amazing, la, 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 la. And um, in that moment, she humbled me so, 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 so much because you know what she did, which I could never do? She forgave me. She forgave me. I was so wrong. I was so, so wrong. And even for the whole school, I was pretty critical of her and she dealt with that. And even right up, and I just fully nailed her. And then I got fully humbled by that. I was like, whoa, just rattled by this thing. But then I got so much more humbled when she came to me and said, Paul, I f- totally forgive you. Because you know how much it takes to forgive someone, to let go. And I mean, I thought I was great because I could measure up to all these standards. I could pray the prayers, you know. I could, I was so self-righteous and... You know, maybe she couldn't do all the things that I could do. Maybe she wasn't as good as I was. Maybe she didn't look as good on the outside and was worldly at times and stuff. But you know what she had inside of her? She had the ability and the character and the spirit of God to be able to forgive me. And that is so much higher than any other thing. And that just completely humbled me. And uh, we all need to have that real moment in our life, I think, to get rid of this rock. That was a real moment in my life which turned around... And God was able to use this moment to get rid of that rock in my life because it was like a big fat rock in my heart and it just broke down all my perspectives of other people. And like Paul did um, here in his letter of Romans, he just says, So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? And Paul had a moment where he just saw that he was a sinner, that he had this thing inside of him, this nature, this thing which was just from birth, this thing that he just, sin was in him. And he, he wanted to do good, but he just did wrong. He wanted to be good, but he just, he couldn't. And he, had, he realized, he said, what a wretched man I am. Who can save me from this body of death? And that, I had a moment like that. I just had this moment. And that's where all prideful people need to have a moment where they are able to look in and see how wretched it is and how much of an unhuggable rock that thing can make you and how damaging and isolating it can be. Ephesians 5.13 says, Everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. And friends, we need the Holy Ghost to shine in our lives and to show us our sin. 
I've come to find that one of the kindest things and the nicest things God's ever done for me is show me my sin, is show me my shortcomings. Because it's when he shows me those things, it's when he shows me where I've gone wrong, it's where he reveals to me this thing in my heart, this rock, it's then that I'm able to, to get rid of it. I'm able to deal with it. I'm able to confess it and be real and honest about it and take that thing out of my life. And it always brings good. It always brings good every single time. The truth is not always pretty, what we see. It causes great pain to see yourself for who you really are. And it can be very ugly. When she came to me and she gave me this thing, this letter, this is what you did, blah, 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 this is how you made me feel. You made me feel so hurt. You made me feel worthless. You made me feel nothing. Oh, my gosh. It was like looking into my own heart of sin, and it was the ugliest thing I'd ever seen. I thought, oh, my gosh, how could I be such an animal, such an ugly? That was so, so bad to what I see. But praise the Lord, Jesus died and raised to life to deal with ugliness total ugliness god you know god came to break that thing apart and uh ezekiel 36 27 says if you i'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you i'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and i'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws and this was a prophetic declaration of what god was going to do to israel and what was going to happen uh, through the coming of Jesus and through his death and through his resurrection, that he was literally you know, going to make a way for man to get rid of that heart of stone and to be given a new heart, a heart of flesh, to get rid of that spirit and to be given a new spirit, the spirit of God. And it's this that I want to focus in on just now, of getting rid. You know, I've painted the picture of how ugly pride can be. And, you know, I don't know, there might be some people here tonight, the Holy Spirit might be speaking to you and might be just saying, you know, you've got some ugly pride stuff going on in your life. You've got some independence or some perfectionist spirit that you're operating in. Your, you know, your expectations and your standards and your judgments of other people are just, you know, hurting people and pushing people away from you and totally isolating you. And uh, friends, there's good news because God can do away with that and he can fill you up with a completely different spirit can fill you up with the complete opposite of that spirit and uh i'm going to flick through quickly here jesus christ our lord he can save paul the wretched sinner so i say live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature they're at war with each other they're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, adultery, witchcraft, hatred, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, uh, envies there. And it says that those who live like these will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there's a complete different spirit available and a completely new life available um, in, this, in the kingdom of God. And that comes through Jesus and comes through this spirit. And uh, God wants to give it to us if we're willing to confess our sin and confess you know, this rock in us and 
to ask God to come and uh, live in our lives. Um, pride is anti-love. I'll show you what pride is. Uh, that's the wrong one. This is where I really want to go tonight. I'm just going to skip forward because I kind of run out of time. Um, basically, pride is anti-love. Pride is anti-love. Pride is all about you. It's not about other people. Love is giving. Love is all about other people. But pride is something that will, is not love. It's anti-love. This is what love is. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. That's what love is. Pride is the complete opposite. Pride is not patient. Pride is not kind. Pride envies. Pride always boasts. Pride is always is rude. Pride is always self-seeking. Uh, pride is definitely easily angered because it's not happy until it's satisfied. Pride always keeps records of wrongs. It always sets itself up as being the high and mighty one. And will always, you know, set yourself up. And... Um, you know, God calls us to love our neighbours. Love is what is going to bring health and life into the relationships, those horizontal relationships. You know, it's love that we need. We need to remove that heart of pride and replace it with love. But the thing is, in our own nature, in our own normal being, we are not love. We need love. But we can look at this one, and this is something I love to do, and this is what Jesus showed me in this trip in Cambodia. He showed me that Jesus is patient. He showed me that Jesus is kind. He showed me that Jesus doesn't envy, that Jesus doesn't boast, that Jesus is not proud. He showed me that Jesus is not self-seeking and that I literally needed to put to death myself. I needed to get rid of self. I needed to fully put to death that thing and start living by the Spirit and start allowing the Holy Spirit to come in my life and live and to like follow Jesus. You know, and let Jesus rule my life and let Jesus be the Lord of my life because I'm not patient, Jesus is patient. I can't do it out of my own strength, he can. I will always keep records of wrongs, Jesus won't. And I need the spirit of Jesus to live inside of me that I can make it possible for me to do healthy, alive, good relationships with other people because other people deserve it. I want friends in my life, I'm going to have to be a friend to them. Pride will not get you any friends. Pride will always keep you as an unhuggable rock. The Spirit of Christ living in you will make you into a person who is very huggable. Amen. The wisdom from above, that is from above, is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. The wisdom from above... The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That having Jesus as your Lord, that Jesus is number one. Man, I'm not number one. Jesus is number one. And that brings wisdom into your life. It's pure wisdom. Um, you know, It's peace-loving, it's gentle, it loves people, and it's always willing to yield to others. And uh, that's a very huggable, huggable person. And um, yeah. You know, that's praise the Lord. He was so gracious and kind to me that he showed me that thing of pride in my life, that thing which totally broke down my perspective of other people. 
it just caused so much damage. It caused so much hurt in my life personally because I was always driven. I was bound up in fear of man. I was bound up in perfectionism. I was bound up in um, independence. I could never fit in with other people. And it sucked. It sucked. It sucked. It sucked. But praise the Lord when God showed me that, showed me how, you know, that sin and gave me this opportunity to like confess it and ask for his spirit to come and lead my life. Man, the fruit of the spirit truly is love, patience, you know, kindness. Like you just feel in your heart for people these things. Like, you know, you just love them. And it's all, it starts to become all about them. It starts to become all about pe- other people. And you start to make friends and you start to feel proper, close, intimate relationships with people. And that is a good thing. Yes? Who wants friends? Yeah? Amen? Who wants to, like, not be burnt out on religion? And because religion is striving. And striving is, you know, what drives pride. It's a prideful person is driven by that. And, um... Yeah, tonight, I might just invite the band up. I think I've run out of time, Nick's. Okay. That's my wife, by the way. We wore matching T-shirts. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I just want to, um, I actually, what song do you want to do, sweetie? Yeah, let's do it with me, ass.